This episode of FileMaker Talk is sponsored by FileMakerCloudServers.com, offering dedicated FileMaker cloud servers for clients worldwide starting at $119.95 per month. Learn more at FileMakerCloudServers.com. Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navar, and I'm here with... Matt Petrowski. The duo returns. Matt Four, five, square. That's the one, yeah, Matt to the power of two. Matt to the power of two. That is us. So, like, um, I was speaking, and so most of my energy went into that. And then you were you spoke as well, so most of your energy went into that. Yes. So, so neither of us really got to go to the number of sessions we wanted to maybe go to. No, I, I did not get to go to the number of sessions that I wanted to. Although I've heard from sitting down at the lunches and the uh, meals that there were people that got a good number of things that you know there's always it's always a good mix in fact it's interesting i always look to see what the percentage of new people is and here at the closing session we are actually told that it's uh, roughly 30 percent i think of the people that were here at devcon were new that's was shocking which means 70 percent of people who've come to devcon before didn't come this year (laughs) (laughs) well it just means it's got a really a a really good healthy uh, developer community people who care about the product I definitely agree. I, I don't think it's at all bad I, that there's new blood. I think it's a great thing. So let's see. Stuff we picked up. So the closing session. Aside from the stuff that we can't say, whatever's sure. covered by NDA, I don't. I, that was more opening session. But the, the design stuff that Heather Winkle talked about was pretty cool. And then Bill Eplink did his usual rah-rah uh, about the stuff that's great financial numbers. But he didn't talk about the 10% layoff that FileMaker had, which I don't even know if we've talked about at all on the podcast. And a lot of people were talking about at DevCon. It was a really, really popular subject of conversation. Yes? Yes. I would say that the, the things that they weren't obviously going to address as a company are always of interest to the community. They want to know what's going on. And I, in fact, I thought it was a bit odd that they had done the, the, the release of we're not continuing Bento and we've got some layoffs just prior to DevCon. Right. Well, I guess I, I had heard that the decision to get rid of Bento was made many months ago internally at FileMaker. And so it was just like when they decided to do it, they just had to pick a date when it was going to be announced or whatever, and that was recently. And I don't think they actually even mentioned that at all here at DevCon, that, they, that Bento is dead. No, they didn't. In fact, I don't... I, I honestly don't know what the concern would be to the FileMaker developers because it really... Bento didn't bother me whether it existed or whether it didn't exist. I never really used it myself personally. I knew they had a loyal following and they had a really good theme system I had heard uh, in terms of people and sharing in the community, but it wasn't of consequence to me the fact that they let that product go. Yeah, me either, really. So, But I I do... uh, The fact that they let several really important, really key individuals in the um, uh, who worked at FileMaker go including Alexi Folger, who was actually supposed to be doing two sessions at DevCon. That was significant, and they didn't talk about that at all either. That's true. They didn't, they didn't address it, and it would have been nice just to... Sometimes you want just a, an openness aspect of a company. You want to say, okay, we know that you've heard this. Here's what's going on, and uh, I don't know. It just didn't pop up. Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's business. Like, if, if any company has to fire an employee at any time during the year... It's business. You got to do what you got to do. You got to watch your bottom line. You know, it's just natural. And you don't need to. You don't. There shouldn't be an expectation that you're open about it. And you know, I was fearing that that would actually was going to cast a pall over DevCon and it would be an issue. But it really wasn't an issue after the first like couple conversations with people. Did you find that? 
Um, no, I actually, I didn't talk to anybody, too, too many people. I did have a pretty interesting conversation. We were sitting at the table and we were just wondering about the future of FileMaker and what's happening and stuff, because we all know that the sales of PCs have declined and stuff like this. And it's really cool that they've got, uh, they've got Go and that's established and that's taking off. And from everything I've heard, the uh, adoption and the numbers of the usage of Go is increasing. So yeah, it's increasing big time. And I would actually say that uh, the, the, like some of the other meetings that I was at, like the platinum meetings and things like that, Go was emphasized even more than or, um, or equally to all the other sessions. And it really makes me start to think that a really good business model would be to, to really kind of shift and build, uh, shift the business so that I can build a lot, a large number of Go apps that are really small for, for leads that I get from Apple Store kind of places. I mean, that is... Actually, I've been doing a lot of thinking myself, and that's totally, I think for us as FileMaker developers, this is one of the key benefits that we have. I've, uh, at the, this table that, you know, I think it was post-lunch or something like that, I was talking, and uh, there were actually a number of people that saying, you know what, I haven't had a whole lot of customers asking for Go. They were sort of doing the opposite of what I was saying. You know, it's nice that they're getting increased adoption. Well, even if people aren't necessarily wanting Go right now, I'm thinking, boy, if you get out there and you find established vertical market applications that only have a desktop presence, if you create a mobile version and you can sneak into that market, that's an opportunity, big time. Yes, you're right. And you know, I've heard that a lot of people haven't really been getting all those calls. That's because we're traditional FileMaker Pro developers. And I think in order, and there's a, there's a parallel community of people that we don't know and don't talk to who are Go customers, and they go into an Apple store and they buy some iPads, and they find out about FileMaker by whatever means, and they develop it there on themselves. So there's, they're not building professional applications. And they, might, they wouldn't have budget for a $20,000 thing, but they might have budget for a $3,000 thing. And so I'm, I'm kind of wondering whether a really good business model would be to go after those $3,000 solutions in quantity. Huh. I don't know. It's an interesting approach. I'm I'm starting to. I, in the past, I haven't done a whole lot of uh, consulting myself, but I've been thinking with all the designs that I'm doing on the iPad and stuff like that. I'm actually going to thinking I'm going to start throwing my services out there in terms of you know I'll do design for mobile stuff. Let me do your optimized solution, you know, for for Go or for mobile or whatever, just because I enjoy doing it so much. Yeah, and you're good at it. So you did two sessions. It was kind of like one big session that just sort of extended. Um, how did you think they went? Um, I loved doing them that way. That was what I wanted to do in the previous year DevCon, but it sort of happened that it got split into, okay, do UI design for mobile and UI design for desktop. And while they have some differences, overall I just wanted to talk about approaching good creative design. And in my sessions, I didn't necessarily talk just about design. I talked about using the tools in order to accomplish the design. So I hope the people who attended didn't really, I think people tended to get, you know, a lot of good nuggets out of it, but it wasn't just about design. And I just heard that your uh, search one went really well. Yeah, it went pretty good. I, there was some things I wish I did, did a little bit differently, but overall I presented the, the information. Uh, there was more content than I, than I uh, had time for, I think. And I didn't go over, but I rushed through some of the stuff that I had covered in previous DevCons. And the people who hadn't seen it were like, oh, you missed these other steps. And I go, oh, yeah, I, did, I didn't do that this time. 
So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to modify my slides and I'm going to put a ton more information in my slides so that if you go to the DevCon slide site and you can download it, it'll have all that extra detail that explained what I didn't get to the chance to do. Well, then you're going to laugh at me because I only had six slides and I went over by 15 minutes. But you had like demo materials and whatever. And I did. it's not that the slides that I'm talking about I had, I actually had, well, I don't know, 30 or 40 maybe. Yeah, I actually had a, a demo file that was a walkthrough of all of the different examples. I did release one file. While I can't say what the URL was for the um, for the DevCon file, one of the files that I released, which is a companion file for anybody who's wanting to study for FileMaker certification or just look at a really super simple, clean FileMaker file, the certification tool is a tool that I released, and you can get that at this short URL. It's fm go.to or fmgo.to slash cert study. That's C-E-R-T study for the word. Um, I showed that in my FMGO year in review, by the way. Oh, very cool. How'd it yeah. go? Went pretty good. I was able to click around, look at all the different details, look at the study materials, and it was really beautiful how you collected all these different things from all these sources together for all the stuff that you need to know for the certification test. Well, I have to thank uh, the whole thing started because Chris Ippolite, who teaches the, uh, the track for getting FileMaker certified, he sent me this list. He's like, oh, go download this, this, and this PDF. And he had them in a Word doc. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. I need, a, I need a solution. So I just wrapped a FileMaker solution around it and then put on a few pretty buttons, and that was it. Chris, really? Word doc? Ooh. <laughs> That's what he had. Yeah. Let's see, what were the other highlights of DEF CON this year? Um, so all these conversations with all the, really the, the, the changing market thing is really what's, that was mostly what I'm bending my noodle around. The emergence of mobile and a large number of low-end apps that I think we're seeing. I think FileMaker is going to be going after this, um, you know, because of the double-digit declines in computer sales and because of the incredible increase in iPad sales, um, that's the main market that's coming, and we need to adapt, adapt or die, right, to that. You're already ahead of the curve. You've already stopped selling ice and started selling refrigerators, you know? Like, remember that old, that old uh, story about how lots of, like, when, when refrigerators came into existence and there, you could plug them into your electricity in your house? Oh, there was yeah. a lot of companies that used to sell, that sold ice, and they just didn't, they thought, oh, well, people are still just going to buy ice from us. We'll just deliver ice once every two days, and they could put it in their cold box. But a few companies started manufacturing refrigerators. But the ones who didn't, we don't know who they are anymore because they're out of business. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see. I, uh, I, ha okay, if I am selling this refrigerators, where do I fit in? Well, I mean, your, your focus in your business, your templates, your videos, the themes, is excellent design for mobile. That's the, that's the curve that you saw coming and, and, and adapted to faster than most. Oh, well, I, I, I can't really attribute that to foresight. I just wanted to create cool looking stuff on, on the new technology, which was the, uh, the mobile thing. And I, I think it's just going to happen to work out. Walking around the trade show and I run into my good buddy and award winner, Scott Karsh. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Matt. Got a, great to see you again, as always. Oh, it was good to see you. So congrats. You won a pretty awesome award and you're psyched and shocked and that's the way to win it. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I was very shocked. It, it's just such an awesome community. And to, to have 
feedback like that of people saying thank you for your contributions of something you just enjoy doing all the time it's just wonderful i humbled and touched and thanks everyone um now that we can get that over and you can stop blushing Let's talk about the cool stuff that's been happening in the last year of like virtualization and uh, Citrix and FileMaker hosting and what's new. Um, there's not lots that's new. It's it's which in, in a lot of ways is good that that the virtualization still is a, is a fantastic platform. Um, every, everyone should be using it or looking at it as one of one of the options that they want to use for deployment for a, a lot of really good reasons. Um, there are always new technologies, but the basis of what virtualization gives you in terms of portability, um, um, scalability, things like that are just getting easier and easier. And I think that's something that the FileMaker community should could keep looking at embracing and, uh, and extending and using with their clients. And it's really good to um, help out a lot of people. I get regular phone calls of people asking, you know, should I virtualize? What can I do to virtualize? And they're a little afraid, but they're getting less and less afraid. It's really nice to see people in the FileMaker community using virtualization and uh, not being afraid of it like they were over the past few years. It's so it's really true. Yeah, people are like, oh, I don't know if I, you really don't want to have a, a real physical server and like, is it a really as reliable? And yeah, but it, it turns out that it's actually maybe more. I mean, it's totally the way to go. More, much more redundancy, yes? Yeah, it's very, a lot easier to have it redundant. It's a lot easier to take that virtual machine, back it up regularly to, even if you're using... Um, you know, not as monstrous uh, servers in, the, in your back end. But if you're running a virtual machine, it's really easy to have a copy of the virtual machine copied daily to an external hard drive. And in a pinch, your redundancy doesn't have to be, you know, $20,000 servers. Um, you could have just two, you know, very inexpensive servers, Mac minis or something like that. But the fact that that virtual machine exists in one big file, a little virtual hard drive file, you can move it around. You, people are already seeing the portability and redundancy doesn't always have to be live failover. Right. Redundancy, you know, can be another cold box sitting next to it that you could get back up and running in less than an hour. For most companies, that's good enough. Oh, if you have like a major catastrophic hardware failure, yeah. Sure, yeah, it, it, it'll really get you there. So there's varying scales depending on what your client's needs are and um, it's definitely worth looking in, into things like that. So uh, there's very little new, but is there actually some cool things? Have you guys been upgrading your hardware, your SANS, your any of the stuff like that? There's an awesome horror story that happened in the state of Oregon. We should talk about that briefly because it's oh, yeah, just fun. Yeah. Well, they have a they have a Hitachi SAN, which I guess is the one of the bigger, higher end ones. Yeah, those, that's big, big iron SANs. Yeah. yeah, that's what they do for the state data center, the biggest thing. And they had I'm not exactly sure what happened, but it had two channels, and the vendor came in to do the upgrade of the upgrading of the firmware, and somehow the SAN got hosed. And major critical databases running on DB2 and Oracle and the Citrix farm. And it took, it took out thousands of things. It happened on, I think, July 15th. And um, they're still recovering. They, they have permanent data loss on some of the databases because the on main online thing went down and corrupted data. All the FileMaker stuff is safe, even though it's running on the sand because it just sort of paused and froze. It stuck at like 7 o'clock at night and at 2 o'clock in the morning just started working again. Oh wow, that's that sounds scary. That's that's one thing. A lot of people, you know, sands are really expensive, and the vendors try and tell you we've got all the snapshotting, and these things are so reliable. Yeah. You know, the, you still a backup. You know, snapshots are not backups. If you have snapshots on a sand or your snapshots within a you know any individual machine, if your disk 
if your disk and your RAID array gets corrupt, your snapshots are corrupt too. So snapshots are not backups for disaster recovery. They're backups for your data. It's sort of like backups in your FileMaker server folder. Um, but you need to get your backups off the machine um, on a regular basis. Right. Well, if the snapshot's on the SAN and the SAN goes down, then, you know. Yeah, then you, then you realize you didn't really have backups. At least maybe you didn't have disaster recovery backups. Oh, yeah, someone said if you've got, if you have a security system and there's like a backdoor where you can get into it, then you actually don't have a security system. Sure, yeah, I can see that. Yep, that makes sense. But yeah, backups, boy, the more copies, the better. The more automation, the better. Um, you know, if you have a person in the loop for things to get done, that's usually what does it. Usually the people stop doing their job more often than the hardware. But seeing with that, even with, it was probably a, a $500,000 array, they've got something. And, you know, stuff can go bad. And, and, and you, you got to be ready for that. You have to, you know, I, I recommend to everyone, even smaller companies, um, look at your infrastructure and in your head, try and think of all the individual things that could go wrong. Uh, you know, point at a cable and say, if that cable's gone, what what do I have to do to get back up and running? That's a pretty easy one. Yeah. Um, Go to the Apple store and buy a cable. <laughs> yeah, okay, but, yeah. <laughs> but but all those things. You should you should look at every single discrete thing you can think of and name: hard drive, RAM, the you know the CPU. Power the power supply. Even when you're talking Mac Minis, because I know that's a really a big thing, and it, and it makes sense because they are very reliable. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you another funny thing about the state data center in Oregon. Uh, the data center itself is actually under the flight path on the land, now the approach landing to the Salem airport. Oh, yeah. That so the the old the old theoretical you know what happens if a plane hits the building? It's it's yeah. And if it's not in the flight path of a you know. Anyway, I just think it's kind of funny. They're like, yeah, we should maybe have thought about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it just with as with everything, it's always calculated risks. Yeah, and as with everything, they were like thinking about that one and planning for this offsite thing. And then what happens is uh, something screws up on a SAN upgrade, and that's what actually gets them. Yeah, <laughs> and that's true. And yeah, we we work from the inside out in terms of the likelihood of something something going wrong. So for the time being, we actually don't have a live you know duplicate of all of our hardware in another data center. Um, and, and those things rarely, they're not, you don't flip a switch and fail over your entire infrastructure to another data center across the country. I mean, things like that might take four times the cost of whatever you're doing oh, yeah. in, in one location. Yeah. So I could even see if, if someone was going to have two, three, four full days of downtime, it still might be more cost effective just to get it up and running in the same data center, then fail it over and then fail it all the way back. Yeah, exactly. Get it up and running on the data center on a Mac mini or something. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, so string together your favorite sentence of 10 awesome acronyms that no one will understand and then explain them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, I'm having, I have a harder time coming up with acronyms that people don't know because it's really nice to see people are. SAN is in English now. It's like a, people get, it, yeah, understand. People it. are getting you know, SAN, NAS, um, you know, fiber. Um, like as in fiber channel? Yeah, fiber channel, or, or even you know optical fibers right. for fiber interconnects. I've had people asking me the difference between copper, copper and fiber connects within the data center, and it's, right. it's amazing. To hear. You can't plug them in directly. You got to have like you know a box. But yeah. what, and there's different flavors of VM. What are the different flavors of VMware? Um, Competing brands or whatever. 
of just VMware or the, the virtualization environments? Hyper, yeah, Hyper-V, the new, the new Hyper-V coming out in 2012 R2 is fantastic and highly recommend people look at it. It's gonna have its own built-in free replication, so you'll do, be able to do your own off-site, site-to-site replication for disaster recovery for free. It's, it's really tremendous. Hyper-V is cool, what's the big competitor? Um, Hyper-V and Zen. Uh, I mean, sorry, um, VMware is, 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 the real, is the big dog. Hyper-V is yeah. coming up really fast. Zen Server is, this, is, is uh, owned by, pretty sure, Citrix. Yeah, I was going to say, like Z, XEN Zen, right? Yeah, like Zendesk? X, X, yeah, XEN Zen. And that's, that's free. That's a great one for people to use and work. It's, it's totally enterprise. There's lots of huge data centers and corporations using it. Uh, can't, you really can't go wrong. Virtualization is so mainstream and everything supporting it. It's, it's really great. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time. Hey, always great to see you, Matt. Thanks so much. Walking around the trade show floor, and a couple of my old friend Jason Erickson here, um, now at Linear Blue. That's right, yeah. So we did a little uh, shift. Um, that was an interesting, very, very uh, beneficial change. But... Uh, so you've been sync deck forever and ever, and then you merged into Linear Blue, or, or they you bought them, they bought you, you guys merged. No, it's um, it, World Sync actually still owns the technology, um, but World Sync uh, has made decisions to do some other things, and so as far as the FileMaker side of uh, the process, mm-hmm. we figured we would uh, uh, we'd do very well with a longtime customer and good friends in Linear Blue, so we we switched over, and and so they have a license essentially to market the technology to the FileMaker community. Oh, okay. And of course in the process, they also picked up me. So uh, I'm now a member of the Linear Blue team. That was a really good deal for them. Because <laughs> you're smart and, and awesome at this. So, and that you've got another really big announcement. Let's talk about that. Yeah, okay, so um, we released SyncTech 9 this year at the show. Uh, but most importantly, in SyncTech 9, we have SyncTech to go. So we now have a, a ability to take the technology that was built outside of FileMaker, and we've now applied at least a chunk of that. We've sort of pulled out a piece of the process and put it into FileMaker so that it can run from Go. And uh, yeah, so it gives us uh, obviously uh, an opportunity to compete in this emerging market that uh, is clearly uh, of great interest. Um, And it's great actually to be entering into a market that we're not trying to build for the first time. You know, it's, it's a tough it's a tough deal to be building a market versus we get to enter into a market that uh, a couple good competitors have, have started the process on, and uh, we think we position pretty well in that. Um, I can certainly talk about kind of where we fit in that model if, uh, if you'd like me to get into it. But, um, you know, essentially uh, you've got, uh, what, GoZinc, and you've got MirrorSync, um, and, and they definitely cover two very different ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and we think we've built a product that fits nicely in the middle, and has the advantages uh, of a system that can do a, you know, sync everything to your database uh, like a mirror sync, mm-hmm. while also having the flexibility and power that the that the GoZinc has, and all in a process that we think uh, is actually the easiest to implement of all of them. So wow, that's just saying a lot because those are both pretty dang easy to do. Um, well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's see, and, and as you pointed out, you know, SyncTech had been around for how many years now? Fifteen? Um, not quite that long. Let's see, we re- released. In fact, I'm going to give you a T-shirt while we talk, uh, so that I can yeah, I think you, this. Um, oh yeah, you've got all the release dates on the back of the T-shirt. I saw you were showing this pretty sweet. Two thousand and two thousand Desert Springs. Desert Springs. Yeah, so thirteen years. Yeah. I can do that math, yeah. even this late. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's a mature technology. Uh, we've got a patented process uh, that I think actually is very well suited for the iPad environment. 
um, you know, the cornerstone of that patent is that instead of trying to have the server do all the work, you can actually do a chunk of the work locally and save a lot of bandwidth transferring unnecessary data. So our, our process is to be able to have a mirror or a cache database that's maintained on the device, so before it ever connects to the server, it already knows exactly what it needs to send and just sends a little burst of data containing that information. So it's a sort of store and forward approach rather than oh, iterating through. That totally makes sense. Yeah, that sounds like a, a great way to do it. And my other question that's really important is, is this an extra large t-shirt or? <laughs> you know, I just grabbed the first one. Grab the first one and it's uh, actually double X. Uh, this is two XL. I'm, I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. I'm not trying to say anything. You know? <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk. I, I can get you an XL. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about, let's, we've got enough time for hitting another couple of features. What are the other things you, you love about this? Um, about the technology, about the DevCon. About the technology. And yeah. you can talk about DEF CON if you want. Have you had a lot of interest, tons of people here in the booth? <laughs> no, no. Well, uh, oh, on the booth, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, Most of the interest still uh, stems back to our bread and butter, honestly, uh, multi-server syncing. Um, it's, it's really where there's a huge hit, and it's just because there's so many different things you can do uh, when you can replicate your server. Um, you know, you, you go anywhere from failover and, and backup and recovery uh, to being able to do load balancing, uh, to being able to do more concurrency than you would actually get out of the usual product. Uh, and, and then, of course, extending onto that to multi-site and, you know, some of the things that our international companies love about it. So, um, you know, that stuff is always going to be the bread and butter. But absolutely a lot of interest in the new technology, a lot of people trying to figure out sort of where all these different products that seem to do the same thing all fit together. And, uh, yeah, it's been uh, some interesting conversations, actually, sort of clarifying some of that with people. Well, Jason, thanks very much for your time. It's always good to chat with you. Awesome. Thank you, Matt.